am so excited to be here today and to introduce myself to a lot of you who have not heard me before. So a really important part of today for me is for you to get to know me and where I came from. So if you didn't know, you about to know, before I was married, before I had a baby, four score, and a thousand years ago before I thought I would ever, ever, ever be a pastor, which was never even in my thoughts or my mind, but God's reckless love chases us down, and, and he sure did. I was a lawyer. I was a state prosecutor, and um, they have some pictures. This was me, and I say that this was me with 20% less wrinkles, weight, lashes, <laughs> and eyebrows. So, Anyways, I was 25 here, y'all. That was my birthday. At the, they had celebrated it at the state attorney's office. That's me in my office, my little degrees and stuff. And we can move on from that. But what I wanted you to know is that, um, that that has a lot to do with what I'm speaking about today, which is under the influence. Because if you don't know who a state prosecutor is, which I will explain, because even my mother, after I was practicing for years, did not know what I did. It means that um, I was a lawyer. I did work for the state. And I would charge people with crimes. So someone would get arrested, I would get the case. Don't, don't, I feel like some people got some charges. They're not liking me right now. Just work with me. It matters. I'm giving foundation. As a lawyer, you, it, it matters so much the way I speak for you to understand where I'm coming from. I'm giving you some foundation. All right? So um, I would get a case. After someone was arrested, I have 21 days to decide to file charges or not. With when I filed charges, I would send over a plea offer. If they did not accept that plea offer, it would go to trial. And that was pretty much what I did. And I did that for over 4,000 cases. I probably went to trial over 40 times. And when I was in misdemeanor court, when you are in Florida, um, you start out in misdemeanor court. Here, it's different. Uh, here, you have a district attorney. Over there, we had a state attorney. And I worked for the state attorney's office in the Fifth Judicial Circuit. And when you start off there, you start off in misdemeanor court. Why is that important today? Well, in misdemeanor, they would tell us, that DUIs, driving under the influence, were the homicide of misdemeanor. So what is a misdemeanor? A misdemeanor is a charge where you could get up to a year in jail, but no more, and a $1,000 fine. A felony is anything above that, right? So the biggest crime you could do in misdemeanor court was a DUI because it carried the largest punishment. Just like in felony, homicide is the greatest crime because it carries the largest punishment and mostly mandatory punishment. In misdemeanor, DUIs carried the largest punishment. So it had a lot of conditions. They were mandatory. You couldn't really mess with them. And it affected a lot of people personally if they had professional licenses because then that would affect their livelihood. So they all went to trial. <laughs> people didn't want a DUI. And unless we dismissed it, it was going to trial. So we tried a bunch of them. To the extent that I was sent to DUI school, I was sent to DUI camp for a week to learn how to prosecute these things. And I prosecuted dozens of them all the way through jury trial when I was a misdemeanor attorney. So why does that matter today? Cool. Well, first of all, I'm going to use a lot of that basis I speak to you guys today because one of my favorite things when I went to trial was voir dire, which is jury selection. And what does that mean? It means that before you try a case, there's a jury who sits on that case and the lawyers pick that jury. Um, it is the only time that the lawyers are allowed to speak to the jury. After that, it's forbidden, it's illegal. The whole case can get thrown out if you speak to a jury member. Now, I want to tell you, it's very different from TV. Very, very, very different. First, it's very, very boring. Very, very boring. Nothing like TV. It's very, very long. It's very long. Um, 
it could take me 12 hours, you know, like a whole day plus more to do, to do a DUI. You don't see that on TV. And a lot of that time is just like talking and talking and boring and not exciting. But I would make jury selection very exciting. I couldn't control a lot of the trial being like that, but jury selection was when I got to introduce myself to people, got to see if they liked me, I liked them to be on my jury, and most importantly, and this is very important about me, I got to educate them about the case. And I am gifted as a teacher. I love to teach. This is a good part for me to teach them about things. So can I treat you as my jury and tell you a little bit about DUI cases? It will matter. You with it? All right, cool. So in order for a jury to find someone guilty of the crime of DUI, I would have to prove two elements. One, that a person was driving or under physical control of a vehicle. So in Florida, even if you're not driving, you're in a parked car and you're in control of a vehicle, you get a DUI. Just, just letting you know. So it was one or the other. And then second, that while they were doing so, they were under the influence of either alcohol or a controlled substance to the extent that their normal faculties were impaired. So what are normal faculties? And this is what I would do with my jury. Put them up. I would tell them that normal faculties, because this was an element that I would have to prove in my case, so I wanted to make sure that if I picked somebody in the jury, they understood and they were rocking with me. If not, I'd kick them out. So normal faculties include, but are not limited to the ability to see, hear, walk, talk, make judgments, act in emergencies, and in general, to normally perform the many mental and physical acts of our daily lives. So. I would ask the jury, what are skills that you believe people need to drive? What do you believe is a skill that someone would need to drive a car effectively? Uh, be able to see. Be able to see. Bam, right? Put up my normal faculties. They would answer all this stuff right here. What you got? Be able to make left and right turn signals. Left and right turn signals. So make decisions, right? Mark, what you got? Um, you got to make judgments. Make judgments, right? Go slow, go fast. So I would do this, and I would ask people what they felt that was. And they would mention a lot of these things, like you did, and I would put them back over here. And then I would ask people, how many drinks do you think it takes to be impaired? Just yell it out. How many drinks to be impaired? Five. <laughs> okay. Most people say two drinks. Like I said, I tried a bunch of these. Almost everybody says it's about two drinks. Some people, you know, said more. It takes for them to be impaired. So then I would give an example. Remember, I'm educating them thinking, are they going to be a good juror for a DUI or not? Nah? So I would be like, okay, if this side of the room is sober and that side of the room, the end of the stage, is drunk, what's impaired? And I would let them know it's everything right here. Everything in the middle is impaired. So because alcohol impairs you. It impairs your, um, your normal faculties. Now, I do have to prove to them, though, that while driving, they showed impairment because of alcohol or a controlled substance, but I would tell them that everything in the middle was impaired. And if they did not agree with me, they were off my jury, and I would pick somebody else. So that's kind of how jury selection would go. And so today, I would like to argue to you about sin and being under the influence of sin. So if this is sin, and that over there is sinless, everything in the middle is impairment by sin. So how many sins do you think it takes for you to be impaired by sin? 
just one. So a lot of times we, we look at things in levels and, you know, we're like, well, that's not a big deal or this isn't a big deal. But all sin in pairs, whether it's one sin, ten sins, hundred sins, they're all going to lead you to living a life that's impaired by living under the influence of sin. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Does it all make sense now? Who I am, my background, and where we're at. All right. So I'm going to be coming down more. So watch out. So this is important because whether you believe it or not, you are always ruled by something, and you're always living under the influence of either sin or the spirit. And if we put up normal faculties, I believe. Have y'all seen this meme? I know Keon has seen this meme. There's a meme out there that was like, hey, do you need the Holy Spirit to um, go to heaven or something like that? And the, the it answered, bro, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Like, and, and you don't, you know, you are impregnated with the Holy Spirit upon belief. So it's not something that a believer doesn't have. So don't get that twisted. And, and you know, you're saved upon believing. But, but it's true because if you think about how important the Holy Spirit is in our lives, I'm going to show you it affects the ability for you too. See, hear, walk, talk, make judgments, act in emergencies, and in general to normally perform everything you got to do in your life. So that's where we're at. Romans 8, 5. Because you're going to be dominated by one or the other. And this is, I'm going to have foundation. I'm going to have proof for everything I say. We're going to go with facts, all right? Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled... By the Holy Spirit, think about the things that please the Spirit. So you will be under the influence of one or the other. There's no middle way. It's all impaired in the events. It's either Holy Spirit, sin, and it's where, where you're focused. But one or the other will dominate and control you. Okay, so how does sin impair us? And when we talk about sin, I think people think that that's like an outdated, churchy word, and it sounds kind of harsh and, and scary. But in James 4, 17, it says, basically, it's when we don't do what we know is right. We know it's right. When we don't do it, that's sin. And then there's a lot of listed sins, if you really want to go there. I mean, they, you know, idolatry, da, 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 lying, anger, and it just goes all the way down. But basically, when we do when we know isn't right, all right? So when we operate under the influence of sin, I'm going to tell you four ways that sin impairs us. You with me? One, we trip. When we are operating under the influence of sin, sin impairs us by tripping. Hebrews 12.1 should be up. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and lets us, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So very clearly... We see that sin, it weighs us down, it slows us down. Holy Spirit wants to operate, but when we sin, we trip it up. We trip up the flow in our lives. We trip up all the good things that we have. The ability to walk, this faith walk, this spirit walk, it slows us down. Two, ready? Our prayers are hindered. When we are impaired by sin, our prayers are hindered. And the verses will speak for themselves. You're going to get a lot of Bible, and it's just going to be very, very clear. Isaiah 59, 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's a rough one, right? 
that our, that our sin could keep God from hearing our prayers and having a close ear to us. John 9, 31 says, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but light at the end of the tunnel. If anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. So there's always redemption. It's not a scary thing. We can always come back. We always have him who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But sin does hinder our prayer life. And it does hinder him hearing and his response. And, and you hearing. Because what it is, it's just a lot of friction happening between here and there. A lot of static when, when the sin, it's in, it's in the way. Ready for the next one? I make my points, y'all. I got this. Quenches the spirit. Okay? First Thessalonians 5.19 shows us that that's a real thing. You can quench the Holy Spirit. Like I said, he lives inside of you. That, that doesn't go away. But you can do things that, that don't let him operate fully. And in First Thessalonians, it tells you to not quench the spirit, to not despise prophecies, to test all things, to hold fast to what is good, but abstain from every form of evil. And so when we're talking about sin, we're talking about let's abstain from every form of evil, which is the sin that so easily entangles and trips us, right, so that we can let the Spirit flow. And another word for quench, because that one's not used all the time. I mean, we think about quenching thirst and things like that, but it's, it means to stifle. When you look up the definition, it says to extinguish, to smother, to dampen down. And so an illustration that I would give you is think of a fire, right? So you have a fire, anybody done a bonfire or a house fire, whatever, in your chimney, some kind of fire. I, I grew up in the city. I didn't do fire, so I came out here. We didn't do all that. And I was in Florida. It's too hot for a fire. We ain't, we ain't making fires. But um, think of a fire and then think of a wet towel, and throwing it over that fire. That is quenching. That is extinguishing, smothering, dampening it down. And the Holy Spirit is fire. And so when we, when we quench the Spirit, um, we're quenching that power, the boldness, the fire that's given in us to witness, to walk out this life, to, to not be inhibited. Um, one thing about drunk people, they lose their inhibitions, right? They lose, like, kind of, like, what, what makes them try to, like, act right and do right and say right. Well, Holy Spirit releases our inhibitions, too, to be bold, to speak, to feel like, you know, like, I don't need to be restricted by what people say or think or where I'm at. I, I, can, I can walk in boldness. And so when we walk in the Spirit, it also produces fruit, right? And that's what we all want in our life. If you think of the fruit of the Spirit, you think of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these are good things, right? These are things that you want in your friend, you know, that I want in my husband, that you want in a relationship. We all value this fruit in people, but yet we do not sow and work to have that fruit in our own lives. While we really want it in other people, it takes work. The fruit of the Holy Spirit takes to make, you know, to yield fruit, take some sowing, some watering, some weeding. It's daily. I tried to plant an urban garden. Scott talks about it all the time because it was an epic fail. For one reason, the, the, the most important reason why for me it was an epic fail is that I didn't have the mentality of seasons when I moved from Florida to Georgia. So <laughs> when I planted, I did not realize it would all die and I would have to do it again because in Florida it doesn't all die. It just kind of, you know, keeps going. 
And so that broke me. I was like, I'm never doing this again. That's a lot of work. And then it all dies, and then I got to do it all over again. And the cucumber is about 50 cents at Walmart right now. So it's just not, it's just not worth it. But one thing it was, it was work to produce fruit. I had to be out there. The little things tried to eat my stuff. I had to put a fence. Like, I had to be out there fertilizing, working it. And that's just like the fruit of the Spirit. So what I, what I tell people, and, and I will be ending with this, so, but just let me stop here right now, is that, yes, you could live, you know, and be a Christian and be saved and go to heaven, but why? That's so basic. If you can have, like, abundant life with all the fruit of the Spirit, it's so much better. Because do you not think that living with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control makes your life easier? makes it better, makes it more, you know, enjoyable and enjoyable for the people around you, benefits your business, benefits. I mean, when I think of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I think of a Chick-fil-A employee. You can't get them mad. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my pleasure. I want eight more. My pleasure. My, but you know what I'm saying? Do you know how much that takes? But do you see how how that has produced a great work model for them and how successful they are because of that? Because it's just simple. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit makes everything better. And so it's what what we should want. So we should not quench the Spirit because it does rob our fruit. And um, really just us being prosperous in every area of our lives, not just financial, but in our relationships and, and in our finances. Hello, self-control my finances. Yes, please. <laughs> you know, that sale? No, I'm not going to do that. Dave Ramsey would not like this. <laughs> but um, but, it, but it, it matters, you know. So my last point, and this is the obvious one, but I want to start here because it starts real gloomy like this, if you do. But it leads to death and destruction. And that's very, very clear. At, at the basis of sin, when, when you hear about it in the Bible, it, it it's always led to death. Like when we see Adam and Eve, it was doomsday, you know, like they're thrown out of the beautiful garden. It's like, you know, now you're going to have to work and, you know, it's going to be hard and all this. So, but, but it is the consequence of sin very, very naturally. And, and to understand the great, great gift of Jesus, we really have to understand the bad, bad, bad of sin, right? And so it does lead to death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Told you I'm going to have proof for everything. Uh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everything has a way out, but if you stay there, and a lot of people stay there, a lot of people stay in the death part because um, they think it's too hard or um, they just really, really like it, you know what I'm saying? And they have to decide what they like more, but, but the wages of sin is death, which again, which is why, you know, Jesus' sacrifice for us is way more valuable because if we know that, that the price of sin is death, Yet he took that, and he took death upon himself for us. It makes it all the more glorious. So it's not, it's not so scary, right? There, there's, always, there's always that light. But the gift of life uh, of God is eternal life. Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so it's, it's very clear. Um, Romans three twenty three. Just so we're all clear, everybody sins, everyone's done it. For all have sinned, for all. That's you, me, everybody, Scott, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And guess what? You're going to sin again. And you're going to sin again. 
And that's the whole pause struggle, right? The things that I want to do, I don't do. But the things I should do, those are, you know, the ones I don't do. And so it's not that, you know, you're going to ever be able to be on this side where it's sinless. Or I'm sorry, that was sinless. That side, sinless. Um, You know, you're always going to feel like you're in the middle. But it's knowing that. It's, it's fighting that. It's, it's knowing that, you know, the things that impair you and, and being able to, to, to fight the good fight and knowing that, you know, we're striving for sinless. We're striving for holy. It's a process of sanctification. We're striving for, for perfection. And that we're given the keys and the ability to do that because, right, Romans 6.23, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all righteousness. So we have a choice. A verdict to render. What are we going to choose? Darkness or light? Right? Sin or not? Holy Spirit or what? 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, For you are children of the light and of the day. We do not belong to darkness and night. So it's very clear if you're a follower of Jesus Christ where you fall, darkness or light. You are light. That is who you are. You may choose darkness, but it is not who you are. Have you ever um, seen alcohol take someone out of their character, right? Someone who's not usually loud when they drink, they loud. (laughs) Someone who's not usually silly when they drink, they're silly. Or, you know, sometimes people get violent. And and it's the same when we're living under the, um, the influence of sin, while it's not who we are, it's not who we naturally are and normally are, but sin impairs us where those things come out and darkness comes out. But it's not who you are. You're children of light. You're not children of the dark. So sin brings, out, brings us out of character. And sin affects our character traits that are given to us in Christ Jesus. We have been given traits in him. And it makes us behave in, in the way that we should walk, talk, all the normal faculties, Right? and not outside of who we really are. When I think of who we are, we need, we need to look in the Word, and I think we're light, right? We are holy. We are conquerors. We're a chosen nation. What else? We are called. We're delivered. We're free. We're a priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. These are all the things that we are, and so when we own them and we know that's who we are, we, we can't choose. We can't choose what we not, we, we're not. And we don't want to do anything that messes with our character. Have you ever seen someone who's so remorseful after they've been, like, super drunk and hungover? Like, the next day, they're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I did that. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And, oh, my God, I can't believe that. That's how we should feel about sin. Oh, my God, I can't believe that took me out of character so far away from who I really am. Light, salt, you know, everything that we've been called to, we are children of the light. So when we sin, it should, it should hurt us just as bad. It should embarrass us just as bad. But I think the problem is we don't get embarrassed just as bad as we do because this has been made okay. You know, it's like, oh, they were just, you know, a little, they was just a little too much. You know, they were just a little too lit, you know, and, and we forgive it. But, but it should feel the same way. It shouldn't be just as um, lackadaisical when we think about being impaired by sin. So Ephesians 5.8, for you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And that's how we want to end today, owning that. But to know who we are, we have to embrace who we are and have fellowship with the Spirit of God, 
who leads us in all truth. A lot of us don't walk in it because we don't know it. We don't know who we are. We don't know the truth about ourselves. And so in John 16, it says the Spirit will lead us in all truth. And that's the Holy Spirit. And John 16 speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit. So one more time, we have to understand and, 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 and grasp to the fact that it is work. It's just not like, ta-da, it's not bibbidi-bobbidi-boop, Holy Spirit, you know, you're saved and you have it. It's a work. It's a progression. All throughout the Bible, you see it and you see people battle it. You see people after God's own heart, a David, who is so remorseful. And he's like, bring me back the joy of my salvation. He knew he was saved, but he needed that joy restored. So it's a work. It's a work. Um, but something that we, we do have to sow into because without it, there's no fruit, that beautiful, awesome fruit that we love in people and that we want in ourselves that Chick-fil-A is just sparkling with. And then um, there's no abiding. Then there's no growth. And then there's no reflection of Jesus. Something that, that's hurt me always is that quote by Gandhi. Have you, have you guys heard it? It says, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And that's so hard to hear, right? Because we, we've done a bad example of being a reflection of Jesus and of being light and of being salt because we don't surrender, right? And so I say let's surrender to the Holy Spirit. It only produces good. It, it only can lead to life. Everything else leads to death and destruction. It's proven. And, and I know that when deep inside we all know it, but we think it's too hard. And so let's be filled with the Spirit. Um, and, and knowing that filling is a verb that means um, in the present and that it's continuous. If you look at the Greek, you know, um, root of filled, it means like, you know, ever happening, you know, continuous. And so if we know that that's something that we don't just ask for today, but that we have to ask for tomorrow and then the next day, and that we have to constantly seek, it will help us and um, it will strengthen us because sometimes we just think like it's just too hard. But know that God is for us and he's given us the answer. He's given us the key on how to do this. Um, I'm going to skip down, you guys, um, all the way to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip. It really, it really has to do with um, what do you feed more? You know, is it your spirit or is it your flesh? And what do you think about more? I'm at, I changed my mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Romans. I can't skip the word, y'all. The music is playing. I feel like I skip. Okay. Romans 8, 5. And then I have one last verse and we'll close. Romans 8, 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the thing of the spirit. For to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So one very, very good answer is think about the spirit more, <laughs> right? It says those who live according to flesh set their minds on those things. Those who live according to the spirit set their minds on those things. And the Bible has so many good things we can set our minds on. I mean, there's a, there's a verse, right? Set your things, whatsoever things are good, pure, lovely, think on those things. And so we have that. We have a lot of encouragement. We have the Holy Spirit, who's our guide, who strengthens us, who comforts us. And when we're feeling weak, you know, makes us strong. If we want that, because sometimes I think we, we want to be weak because we don't want to <laughs> say no. 
And it's not meant to be hard, strict, or scary, but it's, it's how I said before. It's so that you can live life and live abundantly. Yes, you can be a Christian that sins a bunch, but you're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. You're not going to have the best of, of everything. You're not going to be able to unlock all the wonderful things that the kingdom has for you. And you want to be able to tap into that. So many beautiful promises are in the Bible for those who follow his word. It says, if you do this, I will give you this. If you follow my commands, da, 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 da. If my people who are humble, you know, will humble themselves and call upon my name, I will pour down all these things. But they're ifs. If. If. And when we don't do the ifs, we live basic. We don't live that life that's meant for us. And that's why you see so many Christians who who claim to to know Jesus not reflect that goodness of Jesus in in their lives. So I leave you you with this. This is the last verse. 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He knows that it's hard. He came as 100% man and 100% God and felt everything you feel. He knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be scared. He knows what it is to be cold. He knows every emotion that a human being can have, which is why he is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And that's the answer. How do we want to live here? You need to keep going back to 1 Corinthians 10. That you, you know that there's an out. You need to want the out and that God gives it to you. He doesn't leave you out there trying to figure it out for yourselves. He's for us. He provides for us. Jesus, like I said, was 100% man, 100% God. So he's our advocate to the Father. When you tell him that you're struggling with something, he's like, I know that. I felt that too. God, deliver him. God, help him. Because I've been there and I know what that feels like. We have a compassionate advocate who knows what it is to be who we are, but yet did it on a sinless side all the way out, which is why he was the perfect sacrifice. So now we're closing. We need to tap into that. We need to tap into the Holy Spirit power. We want to be able to be people who live under the influence of the Holy Spirit and not under the influence of sin. So maybe you need to repent of some sin, or maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit to really, really, really fill you up so that you can have that strength, you can have that comfort, that guidance, and that you could feel like you could do it. Because you, you might repent for sin, but you might feel like it's hard, and why do you keep going back to it? You need to tap into the filling of the Holy Spirit. All right, so if we could stand, I want to pray, but I want us, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not Scott, I'm not good, but, I, but I do have a, a, a very strong feeling that... Um, one, we're all on one side or the other. Either there, there's a sin that we feel is entangling us and tripping us up, or we feel like things aren't flowing in our lives and they're not really working out for us for some reason or another, and we can't figure it out. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, but it's not, it's not going anywhere. So where, where do we fall on that? Are we quenching the Spirit? Are our prayers being hindered? Like, where are we at? So either, you know, it's unrepented sin, or, you know, we really need to ask the Holy Spirit for everything that He has for us. So um, wherever you are, I just want you guys to, like, team up with somebody and pray and pray for a release of, of whatever it is or ask them, like, how can I pray for you? Like, is there something specific that I could pray for you right now? Because there, there's power in that, you know, and it, and it says, like, you know, if we confess our sins to one another, we hate to do that because it feels, fills us with guilt, but guilt is a lie. Guilt is not of God. Like, this is where we should feel the best. 
And this is where we should feel like that we're um, getting filled up, like a gas station. We're getting re-energized to be able to go out, not a place of shame, not a place of, of feeling like, you know, you have to be put together. This crossover church ATL, y'all. You got to be put together. You just got to be willing. You just got to be present. You just got to be here, and we'll do it together. We'll walk it out together. So can we do that? Can we pray? Let's team up. Let's team up. Can we get, I guess, um, a little bit more padding to feel a little bit better? I'll lead it. But God, right now, Lord, as people come together, Lord, and they are asking for prayer and they're asking for things and they're speaking things, Lord, could you please, 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 in the name of Jesus, we're asking for release. We're asking for just um, your power, your guidance, your fire to be restored. I pray against unrepented sin in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray against a, a new, I pray for a new outpouring of your Holy Spirit, my God. I pray, Lord, that we feel closer to you. I pray that we feel that we are more than conquerors, that we can do anything. I pray that we pray for escapes from temptation when we need to, Lord. We need that, my God. We believe it in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray for every unspoken request. I pray for every unspoken sin, my God. I pray that there is breakthrough in the name of Jesus, Lord. Holy Spirit, breakthrough, my God. Holy Spirit, fall down. Rain your fire, Lord. We need you. We need you, my God. Like the air we breathe, Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you, God. We need you. We need you, Jesus. We cry out to you, Lord, my God. Hear our prayers, Lord. We confess our sins, my God. We ask you to turn your ear to us, my God, that we may be faithful to you, Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for who you are, my God. I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you, my God, for cleansing, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God. You are good and your mercy endures forever. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You are for us, Lord. You are for us. You are for us. You are for us, God. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for everything you're doing. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Hallelujah. It's good. It's good. This is awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your bride. May we wait for you, Lord, pure, unblemished, my God, ready to reign with you in the name of Jesus, on the right hand of the Father, Lord. God, I seal every prayer, God, in your name, believing, my God, and with faith that you can do anything beyond that we can ask or imagine, Lord, knowing, my God, that you are faithful, that you are good, and that you are just and that you want good things for us, Lord. So I pray all things under your will and under your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Justin, can you put normal faculties back up? The normal faculty slide. This is beautiful. That's awesome. Some really great prayers were had, and I'm glad that we were there for each other for that. And I only put this up so we could walk out with this, knowing that we need the Holy Spirit to do all of this. And the Holy Spirit is the only way to clearly walk, talk, make judgments.
and do everything that we need in our lives. I want to remind you guys that we will be um, dismissing through this door. The ushers there will be collecting offering. If you need an offering envelope or the ways to give, they're going to be at the connection table. Um, you can meet us there. You could hand in your prayer requests on the way out. And I had a great time meeting the neighborhood yesterday, and I, I'm excited to have you guys join me for that as well in the future for all the other outreaches. So I'll be out here to say hi to you guys. I'm going to close, and I love you. Say hi to someone that you didn't know. Shake a hand. Hug somebody. Get a name. And if you're not getting our communications, please go to the connections table, especially if it's your first time. We want to get you in our system. Love you guys. We'll see you next week with Scott. He'll be back. <laughs>